word together. We'll pray pray for that just in a moment. Joel's just helping me get all set up with the uh, PowerPoint and everything. Lovely, thank you. Thanks, Joel. Now, we're thinking about personal fitness in a training course, Agents of Grace, and we're thinking about our personal responsibility to be, to be fit as Christians, to run the race, as we've been thinking about, and to fight the good fight. Now, just before we, we press on and pray, there's a, an army role fitness test here, and just imagine doing this, okay? So carry two 22-kilogram jerry cans over 240 metres in two minutes or less, okay? There's another uh, test, which is to lift 70 kilograms and hold it for three seconds. That's uh, to imagine that you're rescuing someone from a, a vehicle and lifting a person out. 70 kilogram lift and holding for three seconds. And then another test of fitness is moving 20 kilogram bags 20 times over 30 meters in 14 minutes or less. And uh, just, just one more, there's a, a casualty drag simulation. You got to drag 110 kilograms dragged over 20 meters in 35 seconds. And I guess you're doing these tests uh, one after the other. So you've got to be fit, haven't you, to be, to be in the army or the armed forces in general. And, and of course, if we're an agent in a spy agency or a uh, crime fighting agency, then we have to have a certain level of fitness uh, to do that. Let's think about that in spiritual terms and uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd help us to look to our spiritual fitness, Lord. Thank you that we don't need to have big muscles to be spiritually fit. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be uh, super strong or super clever to be useful in your kingdom. Thank you that you take all shapes and sizes, all physical strengths and weaknesses, Lord, all uh, characters, whether we have disabilities or not, whether we have uh, physical, even mental issues and disabilities. Lord, we thank you that you can use us in your kingdom for your glory. So, Lord, it's not about that. But, Lord, help us to apply the principles here today to our lives with honesty and uh, with determination to run a good race for you and to fight the good fight for the glory of Jesus. So please help us now as we look at these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good. Great. Well, welcome to uh, next in the series, Personal Fitness as Agents of Grace. Now, top priority. The Apostle Paul had a top priority, and that was winning people with the true message and of course he would include with that of course the the chief aim to glorify God but within that kind of chief aim of the whole of his life his whole of whole of his being we see that a top priority in that was to win people with a true message the true message so the he wants to win people to Jesus doesn't he he wants people to become Christians that's his his whole life and he does that through a simple message about Jesus, not through coercion or pressure or military power or anything like that. It's through simply passing on a humble message to people. And he's determined not to allow cultural or national barriers to get in the way of that. And that's what he talks about in verses 19 to 23 in our passage, which kind of lead up to the reading that we had. So this is just a bit of context, really. And Paul was a... Jew, he was brought up as a Jew, a very strict Jew, Jew, highly trained in all the traditions and ways of, of Jewish people. But now, as a Christian Jew, Paul doesn't feel obliged to live as a Jew. 
the gospel has brought in a new cultural freedom, a new era of cultural freedom. But if Paul is speaking in his missionary work to Jewish people, he will not deliberately flaunt the fact that he doesn't feel obliged to live as a Jew. He won't kind of wear that on a sleeve and, and make people feel uncomfortable. He, he will adapt to their culture and not cause unnecessary offence. Now, if he's speaking to non-Jewish people, he will not allow his Jewish background to give those non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, the impression that to follow Jesus, you have to become Jewish in culture. He doesn't allow that cultural influence to affect his message to Gentile peoples. He will happily live like a Gentile with Gentiles, albeit a godly Gentile. So he adapts himself in that sense. He does not compromise on godly living. He does not compromise on the gospel message. He preaches it plainly and clearly without fear or favour. But he's flexible when it comes to cultural issues and traditions. And he says in this passage here, uh, in verses 19 to 23, one of the quotes is this, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And that's what he, he means by that. He's culturally adaptable, uh, keeping faithful to the message and keeping faithful to Christian standards of goodness and holiness. But he's culturally adaptable because his great desire, his priority is to win people for Christ with the true message. He doesn't want anything to get in the way of that. So that's his great mission. That's his great purpose. This mission shapes his personal and also his private life. And like an elite athlete, and he uses this imagery in this passage here, he sees the need for self-discipline in this. He, he needs that discipline, that self-discipline, to be what he is in private, what he is in public when he's, when he's preaching. He needs self-discipline, a personal fitness, a spiritual fitness, so that there's no contradiction between the two sides of his life. In fact, he, he sees it all as one. He, he wants to preach what he, and practice what he preaches. And so the two should be one. And he, he knows he's not perfect. He, he knows that he's weak enough never to be complacent. And that's a question to ask ourselves. Do you know that you're not perfect? Well, obviously, we do that. We know that if we're not, if we're not uh, being silly. But do you know that you're weak enough never to be complacent? And that's a very important principle for us to keep in mind. And Paul has this principle. Now, uh, listen to these words from uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 uh, and 14, Philippians chapter 3, sorry, verse 12 and 14. And this is Apostle Paul writing again. He says, not that I have already, already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. So it is, re is real, isn't he? He knows where he is. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. He's not there yet, and he's honest about it. He knows where he is. And then verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So he's pressing on. So he's not complacent. He knows where he is and he's pressing on. He's got this determination to, to, to go for the prize, to go pressing on towards the goal. And this is the, the attitude that he talks about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27 in our main passage. And, and it's, a, if you like, a winning determination that shapes his life, a winning determination that shapes his life. Let me ask you before we, we press on, what is your great goal for your life? Where do you want to be in five years time? If God grants us five years, where do you want to be in a year's time? Spiritually speaking, 
in the way that you, your attitudes uh, and the way that you behave, the way that you speak, where do you want to be in, within the next year? Where do you want to be within the next five years? It's important that we have goals and, and aims and desires, godly aims and goals and desires. Now, a winning determination shapes Paul's life. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, Paul is not saying that, that Christians compete against each other. You might have noticed that when we used to meet in the, in the hall, in the village hall, and as we meet online on these uh, Sunday mornings, we don't submit our weekly ratings, do we? We don't go around and say, well, you know, brother so-and-so, how have you done this week? How many people have you shared the gospel with? How many times have you let the Lord down? How many times have you done what's right? And uh, there's no kind of authorities writing this down and making a score chart. We don't compete against each other. We don't do a points chart on and how we've sinned or, or not sinned through the week, do we? We're not to be competitive with each other and think, well, I'm better than her or, or better than better than him. I've made more progress. My, my, uh, my, my speech is better. I, I, I use better words than that person. I, I'm not slipping into some bit of dodgy language every now and again. Uh, no, we don't do that, do we? We're not competing with each other. Rather, we're seeing ourselves all in the same boat, that we need help, we need to progress, and we meet to encourage and to egg each other on to progress. We encourage one another, and we studied that, didn't we, a few months ago, encourage one another. So we're not to compete against each other, and Paul's not saying that. But what he's saying, and what we do need to do, is that when it comes to yours or, or my personal responsibility, my mission fitness, my personal attitudes and behaviour, I do need to run as if I need to win and as if there's only one prize to reach. Every Christian needs to think this way and to have this kind of determination, not to compete with each other, but to have that determination to run as, we, as if we need to win and as if there's only one prize. That's the determination that we need to have and that should shape our lives. Now, Paul is using the image of, of the, let me get it right now, the Isthmian Games. Uh, and uh, about 10 miles outside of Corinth, there were these, uh, these what you might call Olympic-style games. The, the Olympics uh, were every four years, but the Isthmian Games uh, were every, every couple of years. And uh, the, the Holman commentary, I might have a picture for you. There we go. Just to imagine the Isthmian Games. The Holman commentary says the Corinthians loved athletics. That's not just the church people, but the, the whole of the city. They sponsored the biannual Isthmian Games, which were second in importance only to the Olympic Games. They held these games only 10 miles from Corinth, so most people in Corinth would have been familiar with them. And that's why Paul writes here to the Corinthians uh, something that will resonate with them. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, again, a question for us. Are we taking our spiritual personal race and fitness seriously? Are we taking our personal spiritual race and fitness seriously are we running in such a way as to get the prize so we see a winning determination that shapes our lives it should shape our lives and a winning determination requires strict training and we see that in verse 25 of our passage which says everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training everyone who goes into the games the isthmian games goes into strict training now, an elite athlete has to train hard. 
they have to go into strict training. Uh, we know this from the modern day Olympians and how they prepare for their events every four years, as well as the other athletic events they have to, to go in uh, between times of the Olympics. Everything is focused on the event and then the next event and then the next event. That, that race, that, that great boxing match, that important boxing match. And uh, of course, athletes still have to do ordinary things of life. Uh, they have to have family. Well, they don't have to have family, but you know what I mean? They, they live, live with families, no doubt, um, some, some way or other. And uh, they live in community and they have to do other ordinary things of life. Now, until more recently, athletes and sportsmen and women were not full-time, fully sponsored uh, elite athletes as, as folk are today. But what they were were brilliant amateurs who also had other responsibilities that to hold down jobs, that full-time jobs, usually, uh, careers. They had to have the dedication to sport balanced with their dedication to their family, to the other demands of life, to family and work. So the old idea of an Olympic athlete was an amateur who, who did a job. Um, so you could, you could even have someone who worked down the coal mine uh, and then trained at the weekends and so on. And, and maybe as they got closer to the, uh, to the event, they would try and to get time off as much as they could, but they still had to, to do their work. They couldn't just uh, drop, drop everything else. Now, as an agent of grace, we need to do something similar. We're not like the Olympic athletes, as it were, necessarily, who does full time in, as it were, devoting to, to Christian things. Um, there are obviously some full time Christian workers and so on. But um, just, just think of the, the idea of someone who is, if you like, a, a brilliant amateur. But generally speaking, that's what uh, we all as Christians are required to do. But even full-time Christian workers still have families and so on. And so there's always a mix. But an agent of grace, we need to do something similar. We have many responsibilities, but the big passion that we should have, the big passion that should run through all that we are and all that we do, and that is to run a good race for Jesus Christ. That should be our passion that runs through everything. To win people for Jesus and to do that in a way that honours God and brings glory to him. Now, the good thing is that our great mission, as well as the ordinary things of life, are totally compatible. There should be no kind of um, kind of chafing about doing the ordinary things of life and being a Christian agent. The two go together. As I say, sometimes people are called into full-time Christian work, but even there, we still have to uh, deal with the ordinary things of life. Most of being an agent of grace, generally speaking, includes being a good worker in the office or the factory or working from home on your on your computer with the endless Zoom meetings or team meetings. To be an agent of grace involves being a, a child who respects their parents. That's part of being an agent of grace or being a good student at school. It involves being a godly parent, being a good example, a caring citizen, a citizen who seeks to uphold the law and obey the law the laws of the land as much as, as much as possible, as much as morality will allow. All of this is part and parcel of being a good agent. They're not incompatible. Ordinary things are not incompatible with the, with the race because they are part of the race. If we try to comp compartmentalize our lives into secular and then Christian, then we've got, we've got it wrong or we've got a problem. We shouldn't separate secular from Christian. The two should go together. And this is because Christ is our all in all, and he is all to us in everything we do. All we do should be Christian. 
Christian in the office, a Christian in the factory, a Christian husband, a Christian wife, a Christian child, a Christian student at school or university, a, a Christian citizen going out and about, a Christian driving our car. Yes, even when people cut us up, a Christian in all these different areas of life. We're running the race in all these areas. And that's very important for us to, to, to grasp. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, all, even the ordinary things of life, like eating and drinking. So being a Christian is everything in everything we do, all the time, from dawn to the next dawn, from leading a church service through to putting out the bins. Our bins have to be put out tomorrow morning. <laughs> from being, that's a reminder to me, from being a missionary to being someone who tenderly loves their wife or husband. It's not just every two years that we do these things. It's not just every year when it comes down to Valentine's Day and things like that. But we need to do the ordinary things of life. That's, it's part and parcel of being a Christian. The Isthmian sprinter, the dedicated boxer, well, according to the rules, had to spend 10 months training before the big event. And that event was every two years. But we're in the big race and we're in the big fight and we're in it all the time. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's harder. It goes up and down, doesn't it? But we're in it now. And that's important to, for us to realise. And, and the determination and dedication to keep running and to keep fighting through it all needs discipline. Warren Wearsby, a Christian pastor and commentator, wrote this, that discipline means giving up the good and the better for the best. Discipline means giving up the good and the better for the best. So whilst we can do all the ordinary things in our daily lives, the good things of our daily lives, and everything can be Christian, every area can be Christian if we bring Christ into it, into it and seek to honour him, there, there may be times when we need to give up something legitimate for the sake of sharing the gospel, for example. And sharing the gospel is the best thing. I remember a group of folk years ago in the church that we were at in Warsaw, uh, near Birmingham, and they would spend their afternoons, Sunday afternoons, running a Sunday school at a, on a kind of community centre on a rough estate. And several young people became Christians through that uh, Sunday school, through that work, including one of the hardest men in Warsaw. That's, that's my Warsaw accent, if you didn't know. And that's a really hard accent. But what they did cost them something, didn't it? Every week every Sunday afternoon. It cost them a relaxed Sunday lunch with their family and friends. It cost them the time and preparation which went into running that group. And the grand scale of things, it wasn't a massive thing, but you know what it's like when it comes to a Sunday afternoon and you're tired and you want to rest, it can feel a significant thing, can't it? To have to go out and do something like that, especially on a rough estate where you, you know, things might get uh, thrown at you or, or even when you might lose a wheel from your car if you're not careful. Now, having a nice lunch with your family is a, and friends is a very Christian thing, isn't it? It's a lovely thing to do. It's a hospitable thing to do. But for the sake of a greater gospel goal, these dear brothers and sisters felt convicted to change their schedule to reach young people on a deprived estate. And God bless that, that work. Recognising the needs of fellow Christians, the suffering of persecuted believers around the world, the heartaches of people in our own church, issues and problems they're going through, the need of people in our town, in our village to hear the gospel. We should ask ourselves a question, what can I do? 
And we need determination to do what we can, even if it does cost us time, money and energy, even if we have to readjust legitimate things in our schedule to do what is best, to do what is the greater thing. Now, you can't practically do something about everything, can you? We can't practically be in all parts of the world at once. There's so many needs. We, we sometimes want to multiply ourselves, to stretch ourselves, to, to reach all the needs. But we can't do that. That's not what we're called to do. But at very least, we can get up to pray, can't we? And that's not the least thing that we can do. Sometimes that's the, thing that, the very thing that God is calling us to do. And some of us who are getting older and struggling, maybe that's the thing that God is calling us to do primarily now. We've been out and about and done, done lots of activities through our lives. And now it's a time to, to seek God for others and to pray. Maybe that's what God is calling us to do. But even praying takes determination, doesn't it? Even praying takes determination and discipline. It takes a lifestyle choice, being prepared even to give up some good things to make time for the best things that we can do. Keith Green, who uh, wrote many Christian songs that we, we sing from time to time, he wrote this song about the missionary uh, endeavour of, of the church. And he wrote, Jesus rose from the grave and you, you can't even get out of bed. Jesus rose from the grave and you, you can't even get out of bed. So in order to win, win, run the race, in order to run seeking to win this race, in order to fight the boxing match, with a winning determination. The agent of grace, you and I as Christians, need to be prepared to give up what is good for the sake of what is our life's great goal, the big picture. And again, what is your life's great goal before God? What is it for? What is your great goal? What is your great aim before God? We can think about that a bit more later. But although the times we need to maybe readjust our schedule, give up things even, and make sacrifices for the sake of what is best. We also need to positively train ourselves. We need to positively train ourselves. We need to focus on our personal fitness and training. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, the Apostle Paul gives advice to a younger pastor and says, have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. And again, the image of physical training. For physical training is of some value. It's good, good to keep fit. It's good to do physical training, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So we need to positive, positively train ourselves. Now, the way that we train ourselves is basically using the special equipment that we thought of last week. So we've got the Bible, prayer and fellowship. These simple things are what God has given to us to help us to train. So there's the Bible. We need to make the Bible a key part of our reading and thinking. And we need to be responsive to what we read. Now, when we do read the Bible, we're not just reading X number of chapters and getting on with the day. It's not about simply ticking off, I've read so many chapters. Instead, when we read it, even if we have to stop after two verses and think about it, pray about it, but whether it's two verses or five chapters or three chapters or whatever it is, we need to do something in response. It might be to praise God. It might be to repent of something. It might be to, to change our plans in response to what we've read. But we mustn't have the attitude that just lets the word of God lie on the surface to be, to be washed off with the next thing that comes along. Instead, we need to take it deep into our hearts and respond to it. So we need to be responsive readers 
to, to the Bible, to God's word, if we are to be spiritually fit, if we are to be trained as agents of grace. And of course, if we are thinking about what we read, thinking about who God is and seeing what he says to us, that will lead us to pray. That will lead us to, to, pr to pray for ourselves, to pray, Lord, please change me in this area. Please give me strength not to do this and to do that or whatever it is God is speaking to us about. So we will pray. We will pray for ourselves to change. We will pray for others because we know we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same situation. So our prayer life will be fed by what we read in the Bible. Then, of course, there's fellowship, the third special equipment that God has given to us, each other. We seek fellowship. We read the Bible. We see challenges, encouragements and so on. We respond to it. We pray about it. We seek to put things into action with God's strength and we seek fellowship. We seek encouragement from each other. We meet up. We, we learn from each other, whether it's in a home group or a, or a larger gathering. We, we listen to teaching together. We're in this together and we support and encourage each other to do it. So it's so important that we use these three simple things that God has given to us. And these will help us to grow and to be trained, to be spiritually fit, to run the race and to fight the fight. Now, please remember that when, when we meet up, it is not a parade of perfect people. Church meetings are not a parade of perfect people. Let's never, ever allow that kind of thinking to get into our, into our minds. We're not there to parade ourselves as, as perfect people or, or to pretend we're not. Church meetings is a clinic where broken people gather together with their crutches on their wheelchairs, spiritually speaking, whatever it is, the aid we need, we, we come in with our brokenness, with our bandages, with our plasters on. We don't try to hide them with putting on our Sunday best and pretending that everything's okay. We're all hurting people and we come to get treatment together and to encourage each other in this. We're all in this together and we all have similar struggles. So there's no, no point pretending. And so fellowship is so important to encourage one another. And so let's not forget that. And all this will involve self-discipline, won't it? Because however much we're struggling, we need to say, yes, I'm going to meet. However much we're struggling, we need, with, with pressures of life and the schedule of life, we need to say, yes, I'm going to carve out this time to read and to pray and to have fellowship. It will involve self-discipline. Maybe discipline to get up a bit earlier. Or if you're a night owl, maybe to, to miss that late evening program that you got into the habit of watching in order to spend time reading and praying. It might not be a bad program. It might not be a bad activity that you do at that time. But for the sake of something that is best, then to rejig your schedule, to carve out that time, to spend time reading the Bible, praying and having fellowship. It might involve self-discipline to re rearrange your schedule where possible to make time to join the home group, to come to the prayer meeting or to spend time in a Sunday service. So there's discipline and determination that's needed for these things so that in order that we can be trained to become spiritually fitter and fitter and to run the race more effectively. Now, there's something fantastic that by exercising this self-discipline and taking Bible, taking prayer and taking fellowship seriously, you will guaranteed grow in personal holiness. You will bear fruit. You will be useful in the kingdom of heaven, however frail and weak you think you might be. By simply taking these steps and, and applying these to your lives, you will be fruitful. Jesus makes a promise that, uh, that gives us this exciting sense of certainty. In John chapter 15, verse 5, this is what he says. If you remain in me and I remain in you, which is a given, of course, you will bear much 
fruit. Now, does he say you might bear fruit? No. Does he say you'll bear a little fruit? No. He says you'll bear much fruit. It's what Jesus says. Stick with Jesus and you will bear much fruit. Stick with him and you'll be useful in God's kingdom. And then in verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Isn't that a privilege? And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You can be useful in God's kingdom and be involved in things that will last forever. So this is fantastic and this is wonderful. Now, let me again ask you a question. How much effort do you put into being a Christian? How much effort do you put into being a Christian? How much effort do you put into getting prepared for your work? Or how much study would you have got into getting your qualifications for your job? How much effort do you put into your sport, into your, your fitness regime and things like that? How much effort, how much determination are you putting into training yourself in godliness and to be useful in the kingdom of heaven? A winning determination requires strict training. As it says in verse 25, again, in our main passage here, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And so we come to the third and shorter heading, and that is this, a winning determination with eternal consequences. Verse 25, the second part says, they do it, the athletes in the Isthmian Games do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Think about that. Even if an athlete wins the race or the pugilist wins the boxing match, the Isthmian Games, well, what do they get out of it? They will only get a crown made of something that will perish very quickly. The Holman commentary says it was a wreath made of pine or celery. That's interesting. Imagine something made of celery. Uh, I can't, can't, can't quite picture that. So I always thought it was like an olive, olive leaves. But, uh, well, history and the archaeology might prove me wrong there. Uh, a wreath made of pine or celery. Now, think of celery, how weak that is. There's not, hardly anything value in it eating, is there? And how long will that last? Not long at all. Even famous Olympians of our modern age get forgotten after enough time, don't they? And their records get broken anyway by someone else who comes along a bit later on. But the agent of grace is involved in things that will last forever. Forever. It's very important. Now, as a Christian, what do you have? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we have eternal life. So as an agent of grace, we have eternal life life the people that become christians through our witness what will they have also eternal life and by definition it lasts forever the things that we can do as servants as uh, servants of god as agents of grace as we serve him touch people's lives and they change and transform people's lives and result in things that will last forever not just like a wreath made of pine or celery that will last only a short time and then fade and rot away and we can look to a reward as well some sort of a crown and we haven't got time to to look into it in, in trying to work out what, what it might be we're not told very clearly anyway what it might be but it's something a reward that will last forever described as a crown in excuse me in revelation chapter 3 verse 10 jesus says note his, his words i am coming soon hold on to what you have these are Christians under persecution. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. Again, there's picture language here, but it's making a very important point. 
there is something that will last forever. And Jesus is going to bring it when he returns. So hold on tight. Warren Wiersbe again wrote this, that Paul had one great goal in life, to glorify the Lord by winning the lost and building up the saints, building up the Christian church. To reach this goal, he was willing to pay any price. He was willing even to give up his personal rights. He sacrificed immediate gains for eternal rewards, immediate pleasures for eternal joys. So to be an agent of grace, we need the faith and we also need the foresight. That's important to have the long view, to think ahead, not just even five years ahead or, or 10 years, but an eternity ahead. And to see what in the end will really matter and what will really last. Do we think that way? Do we have that mindset? We would have liked to have done many things in our lives, maybe. Maybe lots of good things. Maybe lots of nice holidays or adventures exploring different parts of the world. Maybe luxuries, things that in themselves might not have been wrong or, or evil. But in view of what really matters, in view of what will really last, we focus on discipline and self-training towards godliness because we know that we will be useful in ways that will affect people and bring glory to God things that will last forever and forever that will have eternal consequences can you see the big picture and if we have this big picture it will help us to have this winning determination and then lastly it's a it's a winning determination with a sharp focus a sharp focus verse 26 Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Now, if you, you can see the screen, children, in a moment, moment you're going to see a running man. And uh, imagine a sprinter. And this sprinter runs out the blocks. But instead of running straight for the, the finish line, he runs all over the stadium, weaving around. And he or she run really, really hard, but they never reach the finish line. That's, that's silly, isn't it? Imagine a boxer that only ever shadow boxes and never feels the blows, never gets toughened up, never gets ready for a real fight. I know some of you are in, into boxing, at least watching it. Now, what are you aiming for in life? How would you sum up your goal? What's your mission statement as an agent of grace? And we are going to be looking at that a bit further on down the series. As a disciple of Jesus, though, what is your focus? There's an old hymn that we sung fairly recently it's one of my favorites give me a faithful heart likeness to thee that each departing day henceforth may see some work of love begun some deed of kindness done some wanderer sought and won something for thee is our goal every day to do something for the lord some work of love begun some deed of kindness done some wanderer sought and won something for thee. Hope and pray that you'll share that goal for your life, that sharp focus. Now verse 27 uh, of our main passage, Paul writes this, rather than running aimlessly, rather than shadow boxing, striking the air, no, he says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. I make it serve me so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, what does Paul mean by this? Paul is not advocating that we literally beat ourselves up. No, he's not advocating any kind of self-harm in any way. 
His theology would argue very clearly against that. He describes the human body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. So what is he saying? He's speaking metaphorically, and he's making a very powerful point. Our bodies, if you understand this, are a vehicle in which we do everything. We do everything through our bodies, obviously. And we have feelings. We have good feelings. We have bad feelings. We have temptations. We have the fact that our, our bodies tend to, to lean to a lack of discipline. And we have to gee ourselves up, don't we, to, to get into things often. We have weaknesses. We get tired. We have things that are not our fault. It's just the, the way we are as we maybe got the aches and pains as we're growing older and things uh, struggling, we're struggling with and life get, gets harder and we're, we're tired. And we have choices how we live in our skins, don't we? We either allow our bodies or our feelings to uh, and our weaknesses to totally dominate. We either allow our, our laziness at times to dominate us or we can let our heads and our goals, our big, the big picture, what we're aiming for, we can let that rule our bodies instead. Now, Paul was determined not to allow his body, not to allow his feelings, not to allow his tendency to, to laziness or indulgence. He was determined not to allow this to rule his life or detract, from, detract him from his mission. He wasn't going to deliberately hurt himself, no, but his body was not going to be in control. And if he got hurt in his missionary work, if he had to deny himself legitimate things to serve the interests of others, well, he considered it worth a cost. And this was the, sharp, the winning determination he had with his sharp focus. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I will not be disqualified for the prize. He, he doesn't just want to deliver a message. He wants to live the message. He doesn't just want to be a fine preacher. He wants to be a fine liver. He doesn't just want to be someone who says nice things, but he wants to, to live it out. He doesn't want to be a hypocrite. Now, we know that occasionally we hear of, and sadly, this is the, the case, there are some very eloquent preachers and also politicians and other uh, people in leadership who maybe preach a great message, who say some good things, and are very good at discussing theology, very intellectual, possibly. But behind the front door, that's a different story. So pray for preachers, pray for leaders, that they might be behind that front door what they are in the pulpit or at the platform speaking to others. It's a very important thing. As the Apostle Paul said, brothers, sisters, pray for us. But the principle applies to all of us Christians. And I wonder if sometimes we are guilty of being able to say nice words in certain situations and coming across as someone who, yeah, who seems to have it together, but when that front door's closed, the way we speak to our wife, or could be the other way around, the way we speak to our husband, the way we treat them, our laziness, our lack of self-discipline, it's different behind the front door. Let's pray that, let's repent of that if that's the case. And let's pray that God will help us, help us to change. May every day be a Valentine's Day for our husband or wife. May every day be a day where we seek to live a life that is faithful to the Lord some work of love begun, some deed of kindness done, some wonder sought and won, something for thee, outside the front door and behind the front door. Now, all Christians are citizens of grace. All Christians are, are citizens of the, the kingdom of heaven. And we're in the race because of grace, aren't we? Uh, grace has saved us, and grace will take us safely home, as we sing in the Amazing Grace hymn. 
we'll 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 get to the finish line we will if we started in through repentance and faith in christ we will get to the finish line that's the encouragement not because we deserve it but again because of grace but we can lose out on rewards we can lose out on a prize and again we haven't got time to go into the, the bible's teaching on these things we hopefully want, will do in the future but when paul talks here about disqualification he doesn't mean he's fearing losing his salvation he says here no i strike a blow to my body and after it and i make it my slave so that after i preach to others i myself will not be disqualified for the prize he's not talking about losing salvation but he's talking about losing if you like the 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 prize of reaching his potential as an agent of grace he, he wants to, to run the race. He wants to, to box in the match such, in such a way that brings maximum blessing to others and maximum glory to God. He doesn't want to be a hypocrite, someone who preaches nice things but doesn't do it in, in private, in practice. He wants to be someone who lives up to what he preaches and he's looking forward to that prize from the Lord when Jesus returns. He wants to hear that, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the good of my kingdom he wants to hear that well done good and faithful servant he wants to bring glory to god by reaching the goal running the race in such a way as to win the prize is that what you and i want to do i pray that it is well let's seek god for our personal training goal whatever that might be and uh, let's think about how you and i need to respond to this message today what is your personal training goal? Let's pray for each other. Let's think how to encourage each other as we go for gold. Let's just have a moment's prayer now. Pray for yourself. Pray for me. Pray for each other as we seek to run the race and fight the fight, the good fight. Heavenly Father, Help us to run the race in such a way as to win the prize. Help us not to be a shadow boxer, but Lord, help us to be someone who has a target. Help us not to run aimlessly. Help us to have the big goal and the big picture in mind. Help us, Lord, to exercise self-discipline. Help us, Lord, to maybe get up that bit earlier to read and to pray. Help us, Lord, maybe to put that thing aside so that we can seek you, maybe in the evening. But whatever it is, Lord whatever things we need to do to, to, to train ourselves to be godly, help us to be determined to put these into action so that we might bring maximum glory to you and look forward to the prize on that day. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.